Welcome to season four of my podcast, Between Us, Stories of Unconscious Bias. I've added the title Between Us, as I thought stories of unconscious bias alone was a little too remote. My hope was that the podcast would feature honest and personal stories that raise awareness and educate. Between Us, as a main title, underlines the intimacy while reinforcing the sense of our collective involvement. Since launching it in early May 2020, the world has again changed. George Floyd died, and Black Lives Matter, which had started in 2013, has become more popular and more widely accepted. Identity politics and culture wars have deepened in the UK and the US. Meanwhile, in other countries, people are being marginalized for their religion and beliefs. The need to understand the subject of unconscious bias has taken on ever more meaning and resonance. As always, I am so grateful to all my wonderful speakers who share their often brave stories and allow us to understand the nuances of this very important subject. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I'd like to introduce Robin Shohet. Robin started his therapeutic career in 1976, working in a residential therapeutic community with people who had come out of psychiatric hospitals. He left in 1979 to work freelance as a therapist, supervisor, and trainer. He's the author and editor of several books, the latest co-written with his wife, Joan, called In Love with Supervision, Creating Transformative Conversations. He's a student of A Course in Miracles, a book that has had a profound influence on his life. So as you can imagine, listeners, Robin, with his therapeutic background and the idea of being a student in a book called A Course in Miracles is something that interests me enormously. And I'm sure that he will have a lot of stories to share with us. So thank you so much, Robin, for sharing your stories of unconscious bias with me. Well, thank you for asking me. When I heard about what you were doing, I was immediately, ex- well, you remember, saw uh, you saw I was excited and thought this is important work. And yeah, thank you very much for asking me. Well, it's, it's my pleasure entirely. But before, you know, which is my normal format, before we even talk about your stories, which interests me a lot, um, I'm just wondering, you know, with your experience of work experience, particularly, how do you understand these two simple words that are, seem to be so popular these days, unconscious bias? Well, you know, I was thinking about it a lot. And I was thinking obvious things like I'm Jewish. And um, actually, I haven't been on the receiving end of a lot of prejudice or bias or at, at all. It's more that I think I'm unconsciously biased because I'm Jewish. And I've got this kind of chosen people in my DNA so actually I was much more worried about my unconscious bias towards than people's unconscious bias towards me so that was that was what I was thinking about and I was intending to talk about my unconscious bias being Jewish and actually I came up with something completely different may I share it with you please very much so. But before you even share it with me, you, you chose, you said a certain phrase, which I thought was interesting. You said something about chosen people, my unconscious bias. What does that actually mean? I'm trying to figure out that, what that means to you. Well, um, traditionally, 
the Jews are supposed to be the chosen, God's chosen people. And as soon as you go into God's chosen people, you've got bias there before you start, because what about the rest of humanity? Aren't they chosen too? So the very fact of being Jewish built into our DNA is unconscious bias towards the rest of humanity. Right, yes, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But yes, please, I would, lo I would love to hear uh, the story that you would like to share with us. Right. Well, I was starting to think, um, like I've listened to some of your other podcasts, I've listened to three in particular, um, Seamus Byrne and Catherine Burblesing and um, Kate Nichols. And they've all got something really, really interesting to say. Seamus about homosexuality, his bias and people's bias towards him. Catherine about the unconscious bias of um, the left wing uh, on, on matters of colour. And Kate Nichols, very moving about how when she was raped, it was the other women who were unconsciously biased towards her. They're all, I recommend them all, actually. But uh, and I was thinking, well, yes, I could go on that vein. And then I suddenly thought, I wonder if all these biases, we could go on infinitely, big people, small people, working class, the, uh, middle class, upper class, um, black, white, um, tall, small, there a million and one biases. And I thought, but what's behind them? And that's what really interests me. And that's what I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, I'm going to suggest to you that to be human is to be inevitably unconsciously biased. It's, it's like you can look at the content and the content might be, as I say, black, white, this, that or the other. But actually, it's the very fact of being a human being and making other human beings other so that, that is the unconscious bias. It's so automatically ingrained that we don't even question the process we look at the content i'm smiling and nodding in agreement robin oh, good. you can't see my face but absolutely i mean unconscious bias is about being a human being i mean none of us aspire to be godlike yes. uh, we are just who we are yes but please please do go on so then when I came to realise that I could talk eloquently about being Jew, a Jew and all that, and that's interesting in itself, but I wanted to go deeper, really go deeper. Um, and, oh, that reminds me of a Hafiz poem, which I can go up and get about going deeper. And our spirits will embrace and intertwine and even God will know that, not know the difference between us. And it's that place where even God will not know the difference between us that I'm interested in. Because what we do, our deep, deep unconscious bias, which started in the Garden of Eden, is to be aware of, our, think of ourselves as separate human beings. As soon as I become Robin and you're Smitha, that we separate, as opposed to the, the analogy I give and see if this resonates for you, is if you look at your hand and look at the fingers on your hand and imagine that each finger had consciousness but forgotten it was part of the hand. So one finger looks at the other and says, it's bigger than me, I hate it. It's bigger than me, I want to destroy it. <laughs> and, and compares and, and everything, forgetting that it's actually part of a hand. So what we've done is we've got individual consciousness and forgetting that we're something much bigger. 
So we're like these fingers that kind of go, he's better than me, he's Jewish, he's black, he's white. All these sources of separation, and we're not actually going to the to the root cause, which is we've forgotten we're all part of the hand. So that is so wonderful and delightful. I had my hand out and I was looking at it while you were speaking and I was getting two fingers to talk to each other, which is why you heard me chuckle, because <laughs> it's a fabulous analogy. Uh, and I wish only that we could all just be appreciative of the fact that we're all part of one hand. But yes, please, please do go on, Robin. Well, I haven't got much more to say, that except that I get fascinated then if you take that framework that we have forgotten. The bias is forgetting that we're part of the same hand. That's the bias. That's it, the bias, right. But then but then, can you, if, if because for the benefit of the listeners, we need to go deeper than an analogy, which I love, and I completely agree with you. But what does that, what did that look like? Or what does that look like in terms of you and your life stories, your narrative? Right, good question. It means... I'll give you an example. Um, I, I think it's all right to say this. I have had quite a difficult relationship with my stepson, my younger stepson. And um, my wife, um, while we're running a course, she says to me, um, my stepson wants to come and stay in our house because he's got to leave his house. The repairs are being done. And I said, why do you tell me 20 minutes before the end of a course? It's thrown me completely off balance. I won't be finishing the course properly. Why didn't you just tell me in 20 minutes time when I would have been able to deal with it? So I got angry with her and I got angry that I felt like I was trapped. I didn't want to say yes, but I didn't want to say no. And I was just stewing. And I happened straight after the, to be watching a program on forgiveness. And that's a topic I'm, we may come back to. So I was watching this program on forgiveness and I went, Robin, you're insane. You are holding on to a story of him that belongs to the past. Why are you not putting into practice what you know, that you're intimately connected with him, whether you like it or not? And suddenly the whole thing just dropped off me. And I immediately wrote an email to him saying, I want you to know that you are really welcome. Just that. And that was... And that, that's yeah. beautiful. It's, it just reminds me of something that happened yesterday because I was delivering a workshop on unconscious bias. Mm. And I was asking uh, an emotional resilience, both unconscious bias and our emotional resilience. And I was asking uh, the participants to share stories of how they've learned to be more emotionally resilient, mm -hmm. which is very connected to our unconscious bias, as you know. Sure. And this lady, um, who will remain nameless, gave me a wonderful story about expectations. Mm. And she said, I never got home with my mother. And every time we met, we didn't get along. And then I realized it's because of my expectations of her. Mm. And as soon as I taught myself Mm. that I no, no longer have any expectations from her, even though she is my mother. Mm. Because often, you know, mother, a parent, child, it doesn't matter which order we're looking at, uh, we have expectations of each other. Mm. Uh, and she decided, I'm not going to have those stereotypical expectations that a mom, I'm supposed to have from my mom. And the minute she did that, she changed. And as a result, her relationship with the mother changed. Yes, lovely. I've got so many stories about that. And that's what forgiveness does. 
It lets go. She let go of her expectations and forgiveness lets go of the past. And an expectation is always based on the past. Because how would you have an expectation of the future unless it was based on the past? Precisely. Yeah. But that, but that, but that is, this is lovely. I'm, I'm loving this conversation with you, Robin. I, I, I do wish you could share. You said to begin with, you might share something about the intuition that you changed your mind. Would you mind change your mind again and perhaps talk a little bit about what that looks like in terms of unconscious bias? Oh, you want to get me back into back into the box again? I don't. You don't have to talk about that. You can talk no, about I'm, something else then. Um, but I'd like another story about your personal unconscious biases. It doesn't have to be boxed in, in any fashion. No, I was teasing you, uh, really. Don't worry. I'm happy to talk about being Jewish as well. But I thought we'd gone into the infinite and, you know, sort of like we, we were grasping something much, much bigger than just a few prejudices here and there. We uh, are. But I think I've, I personally feel that I think certainly for the listeners, um, it's important to get these real stories, tangible ones, that people can hang on to and, and then maybe make comparisons in their own life and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I have felt that, too. All right. I'm well, hoping. Well, let me give you a story that happened to me, which was it's not about unconscious bias exactly, but it's about how this letting go. And when you become conscious of your unconscious of your unconscious bias, you can then let it go. Whereas if you don't know you have it, you're being run by it. That's the first thing I want to say. If you don't know that you've got these biases, you are run by them. They dominate your life until you bring that shine the light of awareness on them. And then they might still affect you, but not to the same extent. But the story I want to tell, and I hope it, I don't know whether it will serve the reader, the listeners or not, but there's this teacher called Byron Katie. Oh, gosh. There's a story about unconscious bias here. I'll tell her st the story about Katie first. No, I won't. I'll tell the story I was going to tell. Um, that, so my wife and I are at a, in Amsterdam attending a workshop of 300 people. And Katie asks you to write down, I'm angry with, I'm, I feel the so-and-so shouldn't have done this, should do that or whatever. She had a whole page on me. And she said, I'm going up on stage to work on you. And I went, gulp. And I thought, well, OK, so that's what she wants to do. And I knew I wasn't going to come out very well, but it, I knew ultimately it would be about her. Anyway, she doesn't get on stage. And after 20 minutes, my wife turns to me because she hasn't been able to work publicly on this. And she says to me, it's over. And I go, what? She said, it's not happening now. What I've written about is a story of the past. It's over. And it was like at that moment, she let go of the past completely. And I was living with this enlightened person for two months. It was just like, oh, and you realize that the unconscious bias is about everything in the past. Because she was living completely in the present. And once I... Um, said to her, will you iron this shirt? And she said, no. And I said, that's the most beautiful no I've ever heard in my life because it didn't have any unconscious bias or history behind it. It wasn't, no, you shouldn't be asking me. No, you're a lazy man. No, who, who? there was nothing. It was just, will you iron this shirt? No. And I think the biggest unconscious bias is 
anything to do with the past that will stop us from coming into the present. So, you see, you're asking me for the content about Jewish, and I'm saying, no, it's much, 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 much bigger than that. Of course it's, it is. It's about how we hold the past, and that is a bias so huge that we don't even know it's a bias. Exactly. In fact, what, what I often, the phrase that I use when I'm talking about this with, with the, you know, when I'm working and so on, is I use the word backpack. And I say, you know, imagine that you're born with a backpack on your back yeah. and you chuck stuff into this backpack and you're not aware that this backpack is on your back. And some of you, the backpack is so full, mm. it puts such a heavy load on you that you cannot see the world properly. I mean, you know, it has weighed you down. Whereas there are other people that have a very light backpack because yeah. we are so much a product of our narrative, our life experiences, good, bad and ugly, not just not just difficult things, but all kinds of different experiences that will be chucked into a backpack, which then, of course, influence us without us realizing it. So unless we reflect on which is we take the backpack off, open the zip and look inside. Yes. How are we going to clear the slate clean and start again? It's, it's hard, but it's yeah. a brave thing to do, though. That's the problem. It's and a, I'm very appreciative of your story that somebody was able to do that. And your wife was able to, to actually to clean the slate and start again. She really was. And it was amazing living with her. She was just so simple and in the present. It was, I mean, just when I said, when she said no, I was just in awe of the word no, because when we say the word no, it has a history behind it. It has emotion, it has, yeah. Yeah, it has emotion behind it. She had no emotion whatsoever. It was beautiful. I've got another story about, do you mind if it's about Byron Katie again rather than No, me? no, it, go ahead. Well, so Katie was visiting this woman who had cancer. And when Katie was leaving, um, this woman said, I love you, Katie. And Katie said, not possible. Until you love your cancer, you can't love me. And I got it. It was just like, until you love everything, you've still got unconscious bias. That's it. It's interesting you're saying that because I've just been exchanging messages with one of my podcast interviewees who I've never met, who, who is based in Delhi, who has four-stage cancer. Mm. Uh, and his name is Aditya Atri. And he talks about, uh, in, in his private exchange with me, he is he's talking about acknowledging and loving and and being rather than fighting him, you know, it's it's mm. a, it's a very different way of living. Exactly. And being in the present, yes. Exactly. And that can you can you get the concept that until you love everything, you're going to have unconscious bias. It's kind of so mind blowing, because we do good, bad, this, that, right, wrong, and if you're like. It's like the sun saying, I won't shine on America because Donald Trump's there. Or, I mean, it would be ridiculous, a ridiculous concept. It's like, until you love, that's what Katie was saying, that until you love your cancer, you can't love me because you have to love, once you're dividing cancer bad, Katie good, you're not really loving, you're just choosing what suits you. Um, and in fact, what Aditya Atri says, um, who's, who's, who has fourth stage cancer, I'm just looking at the text that we shared literally three hours ago. And he says, Smitha, it is not about the fight between good and evil, but a larger question. Death mm. is a given. It is the dying which one needs to focus on. Mm. And, you know, what is, what is the fighting about? You know, it's, I, I love the fact that we, you know, because so often, because it's not, it's not as, you, as he says, 
uh, good and evil, or mm-hmm. as 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 uh, you know, love and hate, whichever, whatever the phrase might be. Uh, it's about accepting within ourselves and loving ourselves, whoever we are completely. Yes, that's essentially what you're saying. I think so. Yes, and if you love yourself, you love everything else because there's no separation. And then you come back, and I'm looking at my hand when I'm saying that. Yes. <laughs> You'll never look at your hand in the same way. No, absolutely. All these funny crooked fingers and everything else attached to it. <laughs> but no, but but this is this is wonderful. Uh, uh, so k- share some more stories with us, Robin, about these ideas of of what you see as unconscious bias. I'm just very curious about this this book that you say has has had a profound influence on your life, a course in miracles, yeah. and that you are a student. But yet it is a book. So what does that mean? Can you can you tell us a little bit more? Gosh, yes. Um, okay, so The Course in Miracles is a channeled book by this woman, Helen Shookman, who channeled it between 1965 and 1972, I think. And she heard a voice saying, this is A Course in Miracles, please take notes. And so she faithfully took notes for seven years. And it's basically um, A Course in Mind Training, because it says that this isn't a course about love. Uh, it's it's about a course about removing the blocks to love. And it shows how the mind creates otherness, creates unconscious bias, because they're all the same thing, creates difference. Um, and how by doing this, it keeps itself in business. So if my mind is saying, I'm better than him, then my mind is busy making sure that he doesn't get us to be as good as me, that I'm constantly improving, so that I'll always be better than him. So it keeps the mind in business. Whereas if I say he is me, then I might want to help him or I, I join with him. It's really looking at the blocks to love and dismantling them. And I think what you're doing with unconscious bias is dismantling some of our set ways of thinking and I think what I'm doing is adding to that by saying my own version of unconscious bias but we're both basically doing the same thing saying we can't be ruled by our unconscious minds who do you see what I mean that mm-hmm. they're running the show the mind is running the unconscious mind is running the show and what we have to do is really bring it to consciousness or awareness my husband doesn't love me how do you know that he doesn't do the washing up. Oh, does that mean he means he doesn't do the washing up? But does that mean he doesn't love you? And how we make assumptions that because somebody does something, it means something else. And that's full of unconscious bias. Of course it is. But mm. I'm just also curious, uh, if I may ask, in terms of your own personal life story, because as we both agree, you know, we are made up of unconscious biases, which hopefully then become conscious because we've reflected. But there are stories, there are narratives, there are influences. And you went down the idea of working within, you know, having a therapeutic career uh, for, I mean, I can't do my maths now, you know, 45 years or more, it's 1976. And so what does that, was there was there some unconscious bias, which you didn't know at the time, that influenced you into going down into this career path and then in reflection you realize gosh yes I'm so glad I was there can you tell us a little bit more about you personally Robin Showett personally okay so you want a, a very early story yes so please. here I am age five I remember sitting in my little chair 
and the teacher saying, God made the world. And I thought, and who made God? You haven't even thought of that question. I didn't even put my hand up. I knew that I knew more than she did because I'd asked a question that she hadn't, I could see hadn't occurred to her. So I couldn't have been, a, it's not an unconscious bias. It's almost like it's in my DNA to be asking questions, to be probing. So what's the bias that made me do that? God knows. Um, <laughs> I was born no, I just, I, that's such a lovely story. I'm, I'm visualizing little Robin Shaw at age five, sitting on this bench or chair or whatever it is, thinking, hang on a minute. I, that is just so charming, actually. So thank you for that. But and no, I could... but, but, but I, I want to come back to, to a more uh, um, philosophical idea of conversation. And this idea of, you know, what I call backpack, and you talk about how we are influenced without us realizing it. Yes. Um, and, you know, and about love and the fact that we must love ourselves. Well, you've chosen to, to be a student of, of a book of yes. a, 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 called A Course in Miracles. Most of us don't have those kind of experiences or understanding, we, and nor are we working within therapy, where, which gives us your own, you know, your own influences and experiences. So what do just normal people do? I mean, how do we manage? What kind of advice can you give us? Well, I guess it helps if you're, you know you're insane. Okay, go on. Explain what that means to me or to all of us listeners. If you don't know you're insane, you're spending a lot of energy trying to prove the world that you're normal. Once you recognize that you're insane, you can kind of laugh and, at yourself and see how humanity is busily trying to hide its, its shadow side, its insanity, its everything. So um, what, what was your question? I just... How do we manage it? And your answer is accept that we're all insane. Yes, basically. Um, really, I mean, again, if you want a personal experience, I was really, really so lucky that I had a psychotic experience when I was 21. I ate some dope and because I don't smoke and I'm very susceptible, like you know, even half a glass of wine would be sending me off. And I didn't know this, and I ate these, this dope, sprinkling it on yogurt, and I went psychotic. And I was terrified the police were going to come and get me. And then I, and I was really insane. Some of my imagery was quite bizarre. And, and I suddenly went, oh, there's no fear. The fear is inside me. And I had complete peace from being absolutely psychotic and screaming to completely peaceful and it it kind of helped it's really informed the rest of my life because I know that there's a level of insanity in everyone that's why we collude with mad things like you know world wars and genocide and everything because it's acting out a kind of insanity that's in all of us and so how do we manage I mean it helps if you begin to re stop pretending that you're you know what you're doing. If you want a piece of advice, stop pretending you know what you're doing. You haven't a clue what you're doing. Not you, not I'm talking to you, all of us. Yes, I get that, yeah. Um, it's like, we don't know. Things I thought were absolutely right, later on I go, oh, that wasn't so bright. Things I thought were terrible mistakes, oh gosh, I was glad that happened. That was, Do you see, we, we, we're wandering around thinking we know what we're doing. And I think the first step, if you like, is to say, do you know, I don't really know. I really, really don't know. 
It's got humility, isn't it, Robin? Yes. Mm. So humility is, if you want a first step, but humility, we don't know. There's something much, much, much bigger than us. And and, and to not put ourselves at the centre of the universe, we're like the finger again that says, I am the centre of the universe. I, I, there is only me and I will wipe out all opposition. Yeah, I get that. No, that's very powerful and it's actually very, very simple and that's why it's wonderful. So I'm on this enlightenment intensive where you sit opposite a person and you, you say to them, tell me who you are. And then you have five minutes and then they switch and they say to you, tell me who you are. And then you move along the line. There's a whole line and you do that and you do that and you do you go right from. So you do hours and hours of tell me who you are. And in the end, the mind has nowhere to go. It's I'm Robin. I'm a father. I'm a therapist. I'm a, a friend. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm the other. And in the end, the mind runs out of ideas and it collapses. And I realized that I didn't know whether I was in the world or whether the world was in me. It just, it was the same thing. And that's the state where you don't have any unconscious bias because there's no separation. There's no one to be unconsciously biased towards because you are the world and the world is you. I'm going to end there, Robin Showhead, because I think I want us to think a little bit more about this in our own quiet silence. So I'm going to end our interview. I think this has been absolutely wonderful. I could have talked for hours. Mm-hmm. But Robin, Robin Showhead, thank you so very much for sharing your stories of unconscious bias with me today. Well, thank you. Again, I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Between Us, Stories of Unconscious Bias. I'm Smitha Tharoor. If you like this episode, please do share with a friend or colleague. It's only by sharing that more people will know of it. You can find out about previous episodes and the next ones by following me on Twitter or Instagram at Smitha Tharoor. The next episode will be in a week's time.